Okay, we are back and we have a guest. Hello, everyone. Chris is back. Amy has the stomach flu, so Chris is going to be sitting in this session. Uh, today we're going to be going over Psalms 23 through 32, 35 through 41, 53, 55, 58, and 61. Okay, so uh, let's get started in prayer. Lord, please guide our conversation today. Be with all those who are not feeling well. Please just ease, ease their pain, Lord. Guide us in everything we do. Make us more like you every day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so there's nothing really to go over from last time. We're just going to continue on because normally we do the recap. Would you like to start with Psalm 23? Sure, just dive right into it. Or yeah, read the, theme. read the theme first, yeah. Okay, the theme for Psalm 23, God is seen as a caring shepherd and a dependable guide. We must follow God and obey his commands. He is our only hope for eternal life and security. And the psalm goes on, the author is David, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. That's a pretty popular psalm. I think even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you've probably heard some of those verses before. Yes, I have. Okay, so in the, in the notes, let's go over some of those. In describing the Lord as a shepherd, David wrote out of his own experience because he had spent his early years caring for sheep. Sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd for provision, guidance, and protection. As the Lord is the good shepherd, so we are his sheep, not frightened passive animals, but obedient followers. Wise enough to follow one who will lead us in the right places and in right ways. This psalm does not focus on the animal-like qualities of sheep, but on the discipleship of those who follow. When you recognize the good shepherd, follow him. And then another note we had, when we allow God, our shepherd, to guide us, we have contentment. When we choose to sin and go our own way, however, we cannot blame God for the environment we create for ourselves. Our shepherd knows the green meadows and peaceful streams that will restore us. We will reach these places only by following him obediently. Rebelling against the shepherd's leading is actually rebelling against our own best interests. We must remember this the next time we are tempted to go our own way rather than the shepherd's way. And then uh, lastly in the notes for Psalm 23, death casts a frightening shadow over us because we are entirely helpless in its presence. We can struggle with other enemies, pain, suffering, disease, injury, but strength and courage cannot overcome death. It has the final word. 
Only one person can walk with us through death's dark valley and bring us safely to the other side, the God of life, our shepherd. Because life is uncertain, we should follow this shepherd who offers us eternal comfort. Did you have any questions for Psalm 23? No, I think it's pretty straightforward. Okay. Okay, so moving on to Psalm 24. The theme is everything belongs to God, the glorious eternal King. Let us worship him and welcome his glorious reign. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the King of glory. You want me to jump into the highlighted notes? Yeah, if you want to, sure. Okay. I did have a question. Mm-hmm. I was reading along, and I noticed that the verbiage is different between what you read in your Bible and mine. Why is that? Well, there's different versions. Like, the one I'm reading from is the New International Version. And that one, that's the chronological one, but it's, it's, it, it's a little bit different one. There's so many different versions of the Bible, it's crazy. Like, there's the King James Version and the, like... New Living Testament version, the NLT one, and the NIV one, and the, like, there's just a lot of different versions. So even though the, the upshot was the same, they changed the language a bit? A little bit, yeah. It depends on kind of what they're going for. Sometimes they make it very simplified, and but then you have something like King James, which is very thou and thus and stuff like that. All right. Uh, with respect to the notes for Psalm 24... Who is the King of Glory? The King of Glory, identified here also as the Lord of Heaven's armies, is the Messiah himself, eternal, holy, and mighty. This psalm is not only a battle cry for the church, but it also looks forward to Christ's future entry into the new Jerusalem to reign forever. Yeah, I think that's all we had for Psalm 24, if I'm not mistaken. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about for Psalm 24? No. No, I, trust me, if I have any questions, I'll ask them. So let's move on to Psalm 25, if you would like to take that one. Yes, this theme of Psalm 25, a prayer for defense, guidance, and pardon. As we trust in God, he grants these same requests for us. O oh Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced, or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. 
all day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. The Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should choose. They will live in prosperity, and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord. He rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Turn to me and have mercy, for I am alone in, the, in deep distress. My problems go from bad to worse. Oh, save me from them all. Feel my pain and see my trouble. Forgive all my sins. See how many, see how many enemies I have and how viciously they hate me. Protect me. Rescue my life from them. Do not let me be disgraced, for in you I take refuge. My integrity and honesty protect me, for I put my hope in you. O oh God, ransom Israel from all its troubles. Okay, um, moving on to notes. Almost half of the Psalms, 72 of them, speak about enemies. Enemies are those who oppose not only us, but also God's way of living. We can view temptations, money, success, prestige, lust, as our enemies. And our greatest enemy is Satan. David asked God to keep his enemies from overcoming him because they opposed what God stood for. If his enemies succeeded, David feared that many would think that living for God was futile. David did not question his own faith. He knew that God would triumph, but he didn't want his enemy's success to be an obstacle to the faith of others. And then another note we had, David expressed his desire for guidance. How do we receive God's guidance? The first step is to want to be guided and to realize that God's primary guidance system is in his word, the Bible. Psalm 119 tells of the endless knowledge found in God's word. By reading the Bible and constantly learning from it, we will gain the wisdom to perceive God's direction for our lives. We may be tempted to demand answers from God, but David asked for direction. When we are willing to seek God, learn from his word, and obey his commands, then we will receive his specific guidance. And then uh, lastly, we had to, to fear the Lord is to recognize God's attributes. He's holy, almighty, righteous, pure, all-knowing, all-powerful, and all-wise. When we regard God correctly, we gain a clearer picture of ourselves, sinful, weak, frail, and needy. When we recognize who God is and who we are, we will fall at his feet in humble respect. Only then will he show us how to choose his way. Any questions for there? No. Okay, so moving on to Psalm 26. The theme is declaring loyalty to God. If we are genuinely committed to God, we can stand up to opposition and examination. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. 
Test me, O Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for your love is ever before me, and I walk continually in your truth. I do not sit with deceitful men, nor do I consort with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, O Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with bloodthirsty men, in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. But I lead a blameless life. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground in the great assembly. I will praise the Lord. And the notes with respect to Psalm 26. In asking God to declare him innocent, David was not claiming to be sinless. That is impossible for any human being to achieve. Instead, he was pleading with God to clear his name of the false charges made against him by his enemies. We also can ask God to examine us, trusting him to forgive our sins and clear our record according to his mercy. Should we stay away from unbelievers? No. Although Christians should avoid some places, Jesus demonstrated that we must go among unbelievers to help them. There is a difference, however, between being with unbelievers and being one of them. Acting like unbelievers harms our witness for God. Ask yourself about the people you enjoy. If you are with them often, will you become less obedient to God in outlook or action? If the answer is yes, carefully monitor how you spend your time with these people and their effect on you. Too often we complain about our problems to anyone who will listen, and we praise God only in private. Instead, we ought to complain privately and praise God publicly. Anything else? No, I like that last note, just about complaining aloud to people that will listen versus, uh, you know, we speak to God privately. Instead, we should complain privately and praise God publicly, flipping the page. Mm -hmm. I thought that was interesting. Okay, let's move on to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, the theme, God offers help for today and hope for the future. Unwavering confidence in God is our antidote for fear and loneliness. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The only thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me there when trouble comes. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high, above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, my merciful, and answer me. My heart has heard you say, 
come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I have never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence. Yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Now this is regarding Psalm 27.1. Fear is a dark shadow that envelops us and ultimately imprisons us within ourselves. Everyone has been a prisoner of fear at one time or another. Fear of rejection, misunderstanding, uncertainty, sickness, or even death. But we can conquer fear by trusting in the Lord, who brings salvation. If we want to dispel the darkness of fear, let us remember with the psalm writer that, quote-unquote, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Many have had the sad experience of being abandoned by father or mother. Broken homes, differences of belief, addiction to drugs or alcohol, even psychological isolation can leave children crippled by this loss. Even as adults, the pain may linger. God can take that place in our life, fill that void, and heal that hurt. He can direct us to those who may take the role of father or mother for us. His love is sufficient for all our needs. And then uh, the last note. David knew from experience what it meant to wait for the Lord. He had been anointed king at age 16, but didn't become king until he was 30. During the interim, he had been chased through the wilderness by jealous King Saul. David had to wait on God for the fulfillment of his promise to reign. Later, after becoming king, he was chased by his rebellious son, Absalom. Waiting for God is not easy. Often it seems that he isn't answering our prayers or doesn't understand the urgency of our situation. That kind of thinking implies that God is not in control or is not fair. But God is worth waiting for. And in Lamentations chapter 3 verses 24 through 26, uh, it says, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. So it is good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. Make good use of your waiting times by discovering what God may be trying to teach you and them. Anything else or any questions? No. Okay, so Psalm 28. Is it my turn to read? Your turn. Okay, Psalm 28. Prayer. The theme is prayer when surrounded by trouble or wickedness. God is our only real source of safety. Prayer is our best help when trials come our way because it keeps us in communion with God. To you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors, but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done. 
and bring them back upon what they deserve. Since they show no regard for the works of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him, and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy, and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. And I only have one note for Psalm 28. It is, it's easy to pretend friendship. Wicked people often put on a show of kindness or friendship in order to gain their own ends. David, in his royal position, may have met, may have met many who pretended friendship only to meet their own in, only to meet their own needs. David knew that God would punish these people eventually, but he prayed that their punishment would come swiftly. True believers should be straightforward and sincere in all their relationships. I like that. Okay, anything else for Psalm 28? No. Okay, Psalm 29. The theme of Psalm 29, God reveals his great power in nature. We can trust God to give us both the peace and the strength to weather the storms of life. Honor the Lord, you heavenly beings. Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forests bare. In his temple, everyone shouts, Glory! The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Yeah, it was neat because in there, it really kind of um, accentuates the voice of the Lord because they called it powerful, majestic, splits the mighty cedars, strikes with bolts of lightning, makes the barren wilderness quake and twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. So really emphasizing how powerful the voice of the Lord is. Yeah. What is his, uh, in, in this Psalm 29, um, as a total lay person, but he mentions uh, Lebanon and uh, specific locations like Mount Hermon. Are these places that are not Christian or evil or disbelievers? Well, it looks as though, because if we look at the notes for verses 5 and 6, the cedars of Lebanon were giant trees that could grow to 120 feet tall and 30 feet in circumference. A voice that could break the cedars of Lebanon would be a truly powerful voice, the voice of God. All that was impressive to people was under God's complete control. So it 
looks as though, I'm, I'm not saying that you're incorrect in your question, but by reading this, I think it's referring to they're just really mighty things that God is still capable of destroying, right. twisting. It'd be like saying God could God could shatter one of the most giant trees in the sequoias or something to that effect. Okay. Just juxtaposing his power against what man may consider to be something that's immovable. Right. But remember the theme for this particular psalm is God reveals his great power in nature. We can trust God to give us both the peace and the strength to weather the storms of life. Does that help at all? Yes. Okay, so for the notes, throughout history, God has revealed his power through mighty miracles over nature, such as the great flood in Genesis. He promises to continue to reveal his power. Paul urged us to understand how great God's power is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 through 23. And I looked it up. It says there, I pray that your hearts will be flooded flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So that was, that's what um, those verses said. Okay. And then continuing with the notes, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available to help us with our daily problems. When you feel weak and limited, don't despair. Remember that God can give you strength. The same power that controls creation and raises the dead is available to you. Did you have anything else for Psalm 29? No. Okay, so moving on to Psalm 30. The theme for Psalm 30 is a celebration of God's deliverance. Earthly security is uncertain, but God is always faithful. I will exalt you, O Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not... Let my enemies gloat over me. O Lord, my God, I called to you for help, and you healed me. O Lord, you brought me up from the grave. You spared me from going down into the pit. Sing to the Lord, you saints of his. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. Whenever I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. O oh Lord, when you favored me, you made my mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. To you, O oh Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction, in my going down into the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O oh Lord, and be merciful to me. O oh Lord, be my help. You turned my wailing into dancing. You were Remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. In the notes for Psalm 30, like a shot given by a doctor, 
The discomfort of God's anger lasts only a moment, but the good effects go on for a long time. Let God's anger be a sharp pain that warns you to turn from sin. Security had made David feel invincible. Although he knew that his riches and power had come from God, they had gone to his head, making him proud. Wealth, power, and fame can be intoxicating, making us feel self-reliant, self-secure, and independent of God. But the false security can be easily shattered. Don't be trapped by the false security of prosperity. Depend on God for your security, and you won't be shaken when worldly possessions disappear. Now, we also have an, an insert in our Bible, and I will take a picture of it and add it to the Facebook page. Um, but in part, it says, as you read these Psalms, note the pattern followed by the Psalm writers in responding to God. One, they recognize their sinfulness and tendency to do wrong. Two, they realize that sin was rebellion against God himself. Three, they admitted their sins to God. Four, they trusted in God's willingness to forgive. And five, they accepted his forgiveness. Use these psalms as a reminder of how easy it is to drift away from God and fall into sin and what is needed to reestablish that fellowship. So it's kind of a nice little breakdown. They recognized, realized, admitted, trusted, and then finally accepted. So I'll take a picture of that and uh, and put it on the Facebook page. Very nice. Anything else for 30? No. Okay, so moving on to Psalm 31. The theme of Psalm 31, in times of stress, depending upon God requires complete commitment. O Lord, I have come to you for protection. Don't let me be disgraced. Save me, for you do what is right. Turn your ear to listen to me. Rescue me quickly. Be my rock of protection, a fortress where I will be safe. You are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap my enemies set for me, for I find protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. I hate those who worship worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your unfailing love, for you have seen my troubles, and you care about the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to my enemies, but have set me in a safe place. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. Tears blur my eyes. My body and soul are withering away. I am dying from grief. My years are shortened by sadness. Sin has drained my strength. I am wasting away from within. I am scorned by all my enemies and despised by my neighbors. Even my friends are afraid to come near me. When they see me on the street, they run the other way. I am ignored as if I were dead, as if I were a broken pot. I have heard the many rumors about me, and I am surrounded by terror. My enemies conspire against me, plotting to take my life. But I am trusting you, O Lord, saying, You are my God. My future is in your hands. 
Rescue me from those who hunt me down relentlessly. Let your favor shine on your servant. In your unfailing love, rescue me. Don't let me be disgraced, O Lord, for I call out to you for help. Let the wicked be disgraced. Let them lie silent in the grave. Silence their lying lips, those proud and arrogant lips that accuse the godly. How great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish it on those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. You hide them in the shelter of your presence, safe from those who conspire against them. You shelter them in your presence, far from accusing tongues. Praise the Lord, for he has shown me the wonders of his unfailing love. He kept me safe when my city was under attack. In panic I cried out, I am cut off from the Lord. But you heard my cry for mercy and answered my call for help. Love the Lord, all you godly ones, for the Lord protects those who are loyal to him. But he harshly punishes the arrogant. So be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. Boy, he was going through something there. Okay, so let's look at some notes for Psalm 31. We say we have faith in God, but do we really trust him? David's words, I entrust my spirit into your hand, convey his complete trust in God. Jesus used this phrase as he was dying on the cross, showing his absolute dependence on God the Father, Luke 23, 46, Stephen repeated these words as he was being stoned to death in Acts 7.59, confident that in death he was simply passing from God's earthly care to God's eternal care. We should commit our possessions, our families, and our vocations to God, but first and foremost we should commit ourselves completely to him. And then the other note we had was, in saying my future is in your hands, David was expressing his belief that all of life's circumstances are under God's control. Knowing that God loves and cares for us enables us to keep steady in our faith regardless of our circumstances. It keeps us from sinning foolishly by taking matters into our own hands or resenting God's timetable. Did you have anything else for Psalm 31? No. Okay, Psalm 32. The theme is forgiveness brings true joy. Only when we ask God to forgive our sins will he give us real happiness and relief from guilt. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will, will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, 
but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you, all you who are upright in heart. Okay. In the notes for Psalm 32, God wants to forgive sinners. Forgiveness has always been part of his loving nature. He announced this to Moses. He revealed it to David. He dramatically showed it to the world through Jesus Christ. These verses convey several aspects of God's forgiveness. He forgives disobedience, puts sins out of sight, and clears our record of guilt. Paul quoted these verses in Romans 4, chapters 7 through 8, and then explained that we can have this joyous experience of forgiveness through faith in Christ. God describes some people as being like horses or mules that have to be controlled by bits and bridles, rather than letting God guide them step by step. They stubbornly leave God only one option. If God wants to keep them useful for him, he must use discipline and punishment. God longs to guide us with love and wisdom rather than punishment. He offers to teach us the best way to go. Accept the advice written in God's word, and don't let your stubbornness keep you from obeying God. What's the bit and bridle? That's what goes in the horse's or the mule's mouth. It's a bar that goes back into their jaw. What's that part? That's the bit. And the bridle is the straps that come over that you hold on to when you ride. Oh, okay. You steer the horse's head or the mule's head. Okay, got you. Anything else for Psalm 32? No. Psalm 35? Uh, Yeah, moving on to Psalm 35. Psalm 35, the theme, a prayer to God for help against those who try to inflict injury for no reason. When our enemies are unjust and lie about us, even when we do good to them, we can appeal to God who is always just. O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Bring shame and disgrace on those trying to kill me. Turn them back and humiliate those who want to harm me. Blow them away like chaff in the wind a wind sent by the angel of the Lord. Make their path dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. I did them no wrong, but they laid a trap for me. I did them no wrong, but they dug a pit to catch me. So let sudden ruin come upon them. Let them be caught in the trap they set for me. Let them be destroyed in the pit they dug for me. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because he rescues me. With every, one, with every bone in my body, I will praise him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. Yet... When they were ill, I grieved for them. 
I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad, and though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I am in trouble. They gleefully join together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They slander me constantly. They mock me and call me names. They snarl at me. How long, O Lord, will you look on and do nothing? Rescue me from their fierce attacks. Protect my life from these lions. Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the people. Don't let my treacherous enemies rejoice over my defeat. Don't let those who hate me without cause gloat over my sorrow. They don't talk of peace. They plot against innocent people who mind their own business. They shout, Aha! Aha! With our own eyes we saw him do it. O Lord, you know all about this. Do not stay silent. Do not abandon me now, O Lord. Wake up. Rise to my defense. Take up my case, my God and my Lord. Declare me not guilty, O Lord, my God, for you give justice. Don't let my enemies laugh about me in my, in my troubles. Don't let them say, look, we got what we wanted. Now we will eat him alive. May those who rejoice in, at my troubles be, humili- be humiliated and disgraced. May those who triumph over me be covered with shame and dishonor. Give, but give great joy to those who came to my defense. Let them continually say, Great is the Lord who delights in blessing his servant with peace. Then I will proclaim your justice, and I will praise you all day long. Okay, and in the notes it says, This is one of the imprecatory or cursing psalms that call upon God to deal with enemies. These psalms sound extremely harsh, But we must remember the following. One, David could not understand why he was forced to flee from men who were unjustly seeking to kill him. He was God's anointed king over a nation called to annihilate the evil people of the land. Two, David's call for justice was sincere. It was not a cover for his own personal vengeance. He truly wanted God's perfect ideal for his nation. Three, David did not say that he would take revenge, but he gave the matter to God. These are merely his suggestions. Four, these psalms use hyperbole or overstatement. They were meant to motivate others to take a strong stand against sin and evil. Cruelty may be far removed from some people's experience, but it is a daily reality to others. God promises to help the persecuted and to bring judgment on unrepentant sinners. When we pray for justice to be done, we are praying as David did. When Christ returns, the wicked will be punished. And then the other note we had was David cried out to God to defend him when people wrongly accused him. If you are unjustly accused, your natural reaction may be to lash out in revenge or to give a detailed defense of your every move. Instead, ask God to fight the battle for you. He will clear your name in the eyes of those who really matter. Anything for uh, Psalm 35? No. Okay, so moving on to Psalm 36. The theme is God's faithfulness, justice, and love are contrasted with the sinful hearts of men and women. In spite of our fallen condition, God pours out his love on those who know him. 
An oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes, for in his own eyes he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. Even on his bed he plots evil. He commits himself to a sinful course and does not reject what is wrong. Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains, your justice like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve both man and beast. How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your river of delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Continue your love to those who know you, your righteousness to the upright in heart. May the foot of the proud not come against me, nor the hand of the wicked drive me away. See how the evildoers lie fallen, thrown down, not able to rise. In Psalm 36, the notes, Because the wicked have no fear of God, nothing restrains them from sinning. They plunge ahead as if nothing will happen to them. But God is just and is only delaying their punishment. This knowledge should hold us back from sinning. Let the fear of God do its work in you to keep you from sin. In your gratitude for God's love and mercy, don't ignore his justice. All right, then moving on to Psalm 37. The theme of 37 Trust in the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. This psalm vividly contrasts the wicked person with the righteous. Don't worry about the wicked or envy those who do wrong. For like grass, they soon fade away. Like spring flowers, they soon wither. Trust in the Lord to do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn, and the justice of your, of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. Be still in the presence of the Lord, and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Don't lose your temper. It only leads to harm. For the wicked will be destroyed, but those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. Soon the wicked will disappear. Though you look for them, they will be gone. The lowly will possess the land and will live in peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the godly. They snarl at them in defiance. But the Lord just laughs, for he sees their day of judgment coming. The wicked draw their swords and string their bows to kill the poor and the oppressed, to slaughter those who do right. But their swords will stab their own hearts, and their bows will be broken. It is better to be godly and give. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich, for the strength of the wicked will be shattered but the Lord will take care of the godly. Day by day the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. 
They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine they will have more than enough. But the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in a field. They will disappear like smoke. The wicked borrow and never repay. But the godly are generous givers. Those the Lord blesses will possess the land, but those he curses will die. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Through, though they stumble, they never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young, and now I am old. Yet I have never seen the godly abandoned, or their children begging for bread. The godly always gives generous loans to others, and their children are a blessing. Turn from evil to, and do good, and you will live in the land forever. For the Lord loves justice, and he will never abandon the godly. He will keep them safe forever, but the children of the wicked will die. The godly will possess the land and will live forever. The godly offer good counsel. They teach right from wrong. They have made God's laws their own, so they will never slip through from his path. The wicked wait in ambush for the godly, looking for an excuse to kill them. But the Lord will not let the wicked succeed or let the godly be condemned when, put, when they are put on trial. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along his path. He will honor you by giving you the land. You will see the wicked destroyed. I have seen wicked and ruthless people flourishing like a tree in its native soil. But when I looked again, they were gone. Though I searched for them, I could not find them. Look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. But the rebellious will be destroyed. They have no future. The Lord rescues the godly. He is their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, and they find shelter in him. So, Psalm 37. We should never envy evil people, even though some may be extremely popular or excessively rich. No matter how much they have, it will fade and vanish like grass that withers and dies. Those who follow God live differently from the wicked, and in the end will have treasures in heaven. What an unbeliever gets on earth may last a lifetime, but what you get from following God lasts forever. And then another note we had, anger, rage, and losing our temper are very destructive emotions. They reveal a lack of faith that God loves us and is in control. We should not worry. Instead, we should trust in God, giving ourselves to him for his use and safekeeping. When you dwell on your problems, you will become anxious and angry. But if you concentrate on God and his goodness, you will find peace. Where do you focus your attention? And then the last note we had, the person in whom God delights is one who follows God, trusts him, and tries to do his will. God watches over and makes firm every step that person takes. If you would like to have God direct your way, then seek his advice before you step out. Anything else, Brother? No. Any questions? No. Okay, Psalm 38. The theme is sorrow for sin brings hope. God alone is the true source of healing and protection for those who confess their sins to him. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. 
for your arrows have pierced me and your hand has come down upon me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who seek my life set their traps. Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they plot deception. I am like a deaf man who cannot hear, like a mute who cannot open his mouth. I have become like a man who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. I wait for you, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord, my God. For I said, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my foot slips. For I am about to fall, and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. Many are those who are my vigorous enemies. Those who hate me without reason are numerous. Those who repay my good with evil slander me when I pursue what is good. O Lord, do not forsake me. Be not far from me, O my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. And notes for 38. As a child might cry to his father, so David cried to God. David was not saying, don't punish me, but don't punish me while you are angry. He acknowledged that he deserved to be punished, but he asked that God temper his discipline with mercy. Like children, we are free to ask for mercy, but we should not deny that we deserve punishment. David saw his anguish as judgment from God for his sins. Although God does not always send physical illness to punish us for sin, this verse and others in Scripture indicate that he does in certain circumstances. Our sin can have physical or mental side effects that can cause great suffering. Sometimes God has to punish his children in order to bring them back to himself. When we repent of our sin, God promises to forgive us. He delivers us from sin's eternal consequences, although he does not promise to undo all of sin's earthly consequences. Okay. Anything else for Psalm 38? No. No questions? No. Moving on to Psalm 39. Psalm 39, the theme is, apart from God, life is fleeting and empty. This is an appeal for God's mercy because life is so brief. I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. The more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you, at best. 
each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows, and all are busy rushing ends and nothing. We heap up wealth, not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Rescue me from my rebellion. Do not let fools mock me. I am silent before you. I won't say a word, for my punishment is from you. But please stop striking me. I am exhausted by the blows from your hand. When you discipline us for our sins, you consume like a moth what is precious to us. Each of us is but a breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cries for help. Don't ignore my tears, for I am your guest, a traveler passing through, as my ancestors were before me. Leave me alone so I can smile again before I am gone and exist no more. Okay, and then for the notes, David resolved to keep his tongue from sin. That is, he decided not to complain to other people about God's treatment of him. David certainly had reason to complain. He was the anointed king of Israel, but he had to wait many years before taking the throne. Then one of his sons tried to kill him and become king instead. But when David could not keep still any longer, he took his complaints directly to God. We all have complaints about our job, money, or situations, but complaining to others may make them think that God cannot take care of us. It may also look as if we blame God for our troubles. Instead, like David, we should take our complaints directly to God. He can take it. And then another note. Life is short no matter how long we live. If we have something important we want to do, we must not put it off for a better day. Ask yourself, if I had only six months to live, what would I do? Tell someone that you love him or her. Deal with an undisciplined area in your life. Tell someone about Jesus. Because life is short, don't neglect what is truly important. And then the last note we had, the brevity of life is a theme throughout the books of Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. Jesus also spoke about it, um, and then they reference Luke chapter 12, verse 20, which says, But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Ironically, people spend so much time securing their lives on earth, but take little or no thought about where they will spend eternity. David realized that amassing riches and busily accomplishing worldly tasks would make no difference in eternity. Few people understand that their only hope is in the Lord. Anything else for Psalm 39? No, I have no questions. Okay, so Psalm 40. The theme is doing God's will sometimes means waiting patiently. While we wait, we can love God, serve others, and tell others about him. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. 
Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O oh my God, your law is within my heart. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, as you know, O oh Lord. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and salvation. I do not conceal your love and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Be pleased, O Lord, to save me. O Lord, come quickly to help me. May all who seek to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, Aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation always say, The Lord be exalted. Yet I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. Oh my God, do not delay. In the notes for Psalm 40, Waiting for God to help us is not easy. But David received four benefits from waiting. One, God lifted, God lifted him out of his despair. Two, God set his feet on solid ground. Three, God steadied him as he walked. And four, God put a new song of praise in his mouth. Often blessings cannot be received unless we go through the trial of waiting. The religious ritual of David's day involved sacrificing animals in the tabernacle. David said these acts were meaningless unless done for the right reasons. Today, we often make rituals of going to church, taking communion, or paying tithes. These activities are also empty if our reasons for doing them are selfish. God doesn't want these sacrifices sacrifices and offerings without an attitude of devotion to him. The prophet Samuel told Saul, Obedience is better than sacrifice. Make sure that you give God the obedience and lifelong service he desires from you. Okay, anything else? No. Okay, so moving on to Psalm 41. Did you, or is it your turn? My turn. Psalm 41, the theme, a prayer for God's mercy when feeling sick or abandoned. When we're sick and when everyone deserts us, God remains at our side. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them when they are in trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity in the land and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and restores them to health. O Lord, I prayed, have mercy on me, heal me, for I have sinned against you. But my enemies say nothing but evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten, they ask. They visit me as if they were my friends, but all the while they gather gossip, and when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst. He has some fatal disease, they say. He will never get out of that bed. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, 
The one who shared my food has turned against me. Lord, have mercy on me. Make me well again so I can pay them back. I know you are pleased with me, for you have not let my enemies triumph over me. You have preserved my life because I am innocent. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. Okay, so some of the notes we have. The Bible often speaks of God's care for the weak, poor, and needy, and of his blessing those who share this concern. God wants our generosity to reflect his own free giving. As he has blessed us, we should bless others. This verse, a prophecy of Christ's betrayal, is referred to in John chapter 13, verse 18, which says, I am not saying these things to all of you. I know the ones I have chosen. But this fulfills the scripture that says, The one who eats my food has turned against me. Judas, one of Jesus' twelve disciples, had spent three years learning from Jesus, traveling and eating with him, and handling the finances for the group. Eventually, this best friend betrayed Jesus. And then finally, Psalms is divided into five books, and each one ends with a doxology, an expression of praise to God. The first book of the Psalms, Psalms 1-41, through 41, takes us on a journey through suffering, sorrow, and great joy. It teaches us about God's eternal love and care for us and how we, sh and how we should trust him even in the day-to-day -day experiences of life. Anything else for Psalm 41? No. Okay, so we move to Psalm 53. The theme is, All have sinned. Because of sin, no person can find God on his or her own. Only God can save us. The fool says in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand any who seek God. Everyone is turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will the evildoers never learn, those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on God? There they were, overwhelmed with dread, where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame, for God despised them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. And notes for Psalm 53. Echoing the message of Psalm 14, this psalm proclaims the foolishness of atheism. People may say there is no God in order to cover up their sin, to have an excuse to continue in sin, and or to ignore the judge in order to avoid the judgment. Fools do not necessarily lack intelligence. Many atheists and unbelievers are highly educated. Fools are people who reject God, the only one who can save them. While God is not affected by what we think of him, we are definitely and eternally affected by what God thinks of us. This psalm begins with the bold claim that there is no God, but by this verse, the true reason for rejecting God has become clear. The reason people reject God has nothing to do with God's existence and everything to do with people's sinfulness. In our desire to do wrong, we treat God as if he doesn't exist. 
When God passes judgment, it will be too late to apologize and admit we were wrong. Rejection of God will turn into terror of God. Anything else for there? No. Okay, moving on to Psalm 55. Psalm 55, the theme, expressing deep dismay over the treachery of a close friend. When friends hurt us, the burden is too difficult to carry alone. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. Please listen and answer me, for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. Then I would fly away and rest. I would fly far away to the quiet of the wilderness. How quickly I would escape, far from this wild storm of hatred. Confuse them, Lord, and frustrate their plans, for I see violence and conflict in the city. Its walls are patrolled day and night against invaders, but the real danger is wickedness within the city. Everything is falling apart. Threats and cheating are are rampant in the streets. It is not an enemy who taunts me. I could bear that. It is not my foes who so arrogantly insult me. I could have hidden from them. Instead, it is you, my equal, my companion, and close friend. What good fellowship we once enjoyed as we walked together to the house of God. Let death stalk my enemies. Let the grave swallow them alive, for evil makes its home within them. But I will call on God, and the Lord will rescue me. Morning, noon, and night I cry out in my distress, and the Lord hears my voice. He ransoms me and keeps me safe from the battle waged against me, though many still oppose me. God, who has ruled forever, will hear me and humble them. For enemies refuse to change their ways. They do not fear God. As for my companion, he betrayed his friends. He broke his promises. His words are as smooth as butter, but in his heart is war. His his words are soothing as lotion, but underneath are daggers. Give your burdens to the Lord, and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. But you, O God, will send the wicked down to the pit of destruction. Murderers and liars will die young but I am trusting you to save me. Okay, so we have a couple notes for Psalm 55. Nothing hurts more than a wound from a friend. At times, friends may need to lovingly confront you in order to help you, but betrayal truly hurts. Betrayal by a friend had caused David great anguish. Real friends stick by you in times of trouble and bring healing, love, acceptance, and understanding. What kind of friend are you? Don't betray those you love. And then the other note we had, praying morning, noon, and night is certainly an excellent way to maintain correct priorities throughout every day. Daniel followed this pattern, uh, and they referenced Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, as did Peter in Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 10. The prayers of God's people are effective against the overwhelming evil in the world. Is there anything else for there? No. Moving on to Psalm 58, 
The theme is a prayer for God's justice. When no justice can be found, rejoice in knowing that justice will triumph because there is a God who will judge with complete fairness. Do you, do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge uprightly among men? No, in your heart you devise injustice, and your hands met out violence on the earth. Even from birth the wicked go astray. From the womb they are wayward and speak lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears, that will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Break the teeth in their mouths, O God. Tear out, O Lord, the fangs of the lions. Let them vanish like water that flows away. When they draw the bow, let their arrows be blunted, like a slug melting away as it moves along, like a stillborn child may they not see the sun. Before your pots can feel the heat of the thorns, whether they may be green or dry, the wicked will be swept away. The righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they bathe their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then men will say, surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. And notes for Psalm 58. This is called an imprecatory psalm. It is a cry for justice so intense that it seems, at first glance, to be a call for revenge. The Old Testament is filled with references to justice. It is a key topic in the Psalms. Unfortunately, many judges and rulers in ancient times took justice into their own hands. They had complete authority with no accountability and the power to make their own laws. When Earth's judges are corrupt, there is little hope of justice in this life. But God loves justice, and those who obey him will experience perfect justice in eternity. Of all people, our national leaders should be just and fair. When they are unjust and unfair, people suffer as politicians wrest power from the people. National morality deteriorates, and God is ignored. When right triumphs at last, the godly will rejoice. Be assured that there will be a day of accountability and that God judges fairly. Be careful never to side with injustice, lest ye find yourself standing before an angry judge. Okay, anything else for there? No. Psalm 61. Mm-hmm. The theme for Psalm 61, prayer for security and assurance. Wherever we are, we can trust that God will be there to answer our cries for help. O oh God, listen to my cry. Hear my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the towering rock of safety. For you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. Let me live forever in your sanctuary, safe beneath the shelter of your wings. For you have heard my vows, O God. You have given me an inheritance reserved for those who fear your name. Add many years to the life of the king. May his years span the generations. May he reign under God's protection forever. May your unfailing love and faithfulness watch over him. Then I will sing praises to your name forever as I fulfill my vows each day. Okay, and then we only had one note for Psalm 61. David made a vow to praise God each day. David continually praised God through both the good and difficult times of his life. 
Do you find something to praise God for each day? As you do, you will find your heart elevated from daily distraction to lasting confidence. That's nice. Mm -hmm. So did you have anything else that you wanted to talk about or, or anything? Any questions? No, I, I don't. Each time I've been blessed to be part of your uh, program, I learn something new. Um, and I've taken away from these psalms some things I've already thought about in the past and some new things. So it was a learning lesson for me. Well, that's good. That's real good. I always learn something new when I do this. Well, that's awesome. I hope our listeners do as well. Oh, my gosh. Well... We hope so, too. We really do. Um, okay, well, if there's nothing else, let's give out some info. The email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy, and the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. Next time, we will remain in Psalms. We are going to be reading, now these are all Psalms, 62, 64, and 65. 68 through 70, 86, 101, 103, 108 through 110, 122, 124, 131, and 133, 138 through 141, and 143 through 145. And of course, I'll put all of those on the Facebook page uh, so everyone can go and reference that. And Thank you again for filling in. You're very welcome. It was very enjoyable. Yeah, hopefully Amy's stomach flu will have passed and, and she'll be back next time. Well, if not, I'm happy to be of service. All righty. Well, thank you and have a blessed week, everyone.